In this passage, the prophet Isaiah speaks of a king who is to come. It's Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 4. But there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. The word of the Lord. The New Testament reading is from one of Paul's letters to new Christians in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved... It is the power of God. The word of the Lord. Please join me in a prayer. Holy God, we give you thanks on this day to be able to tell your story, to hear your story, and to act. May we be people of action who live out the grace of your love, going into the struggles that we face, surrounded by grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as many of you know, I grew up uh, in Arizona, but my family on my dad's side, they all came from Ohio. They came from southern Ohio, a little tiny town called Oak Hill. They came down the Ohio River up from Canada, uh, migrating from Wales about 1840 to about 1860. And they all came down the Ohio River and ended up at Oak Hill and Maybe early, early, late night, late 1800s, early 1900s, they moved up to Columbus. And, um, 
uh, I've been to the church there in Columbus where all my ancestors used to sing the hymns in Welsh. Uh, some great stories. That church is now closed down, tragically. Uh, but it's uh, now an African-American Baptist church. It's interesting how things flow and change with time and still maintain consistency and faithfulness. Anyway, so I grew up hearing that story. I didn't think that much about it uh, too much, except to know that my ancestors were Welsh. Anyway, uh, but growing up in Arizona, what I was really concerned about was playing some basketball. I love playing basketball. I always played basketball. I was on my backcourt shooting hoops like all the time. Just what I did. It was, it was part of my nature. It was, it was basically my home. My, my, my home was being on the basketball court, especially late at night, shooting hoops. Anyway, as a sophomore, I went to a very small high school. And so the great thing about being in a small high school is you can play like varsity early on. Um, and and uh, it's, a, it's great for experience. Uh, but unfortunately, when you're a sophomore in high school and you have to start on a basketball team and you're playing seniors, it's a little bit physically, it's a challenge. And so we were facing this team from Elfrida. Has anybody ever heard of Elfrida before? Well, Elfrida is this little cowboy town, uh, and it probably only has about, you know, 500 people who live in it. It's a very small community. Uh, but they create, they make some great basketball players. Great basketball tradition at this high school called Valley Union. And that year, we were facing Valley Union uh, in the playoffs, and they had this guy named Tony Anaya. What a great name for a basketball player. He would annihilate anybody. He averaged 44 points. 44 points. He was a player. He was the real deal. And there was another guy on their team who averaged like 30 points, and it was just this incredible team. And so our coach decided that they were going to put some doggy defense on them, and we Davises were known for our doggy defense. That means we get low, we have our tongue out, and we're, we're basically in their face, no separation. And I got to guard uh, Tony and I, a five foot eight Davis. He's about six foot three. Uh, anyway, I think I held him to about 28 points or something, which is okay. But in the midst of this game, that's not the whole point of the story, but in the midst of this game, I was outmatched for sure. But in the midst of this game, my grandfather, who was coming from Pennsylvania, he comes to the game, the only game I think he ever saw me play. He's in the stands, and about the first quarter, I'm, 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 I'm keeping the ball away from him, denying him the ball at all times if possible. And my grandfather shouts out, Remember! Remember Oak Hill and the Ohio! I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Remember, Oak Hill and the Ohio River. I'm like, what is that about? <laughs> so afterwards, and I, we, we won the game actually, but afterwards I'm like, Pops, Oak Hill, Ohio River? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? And he's like, Matt, that's your home. That's your home. That's where you come from. That's, that's where your strength comes from. That's your home. And uh, again, my ancestors came down the Ohio River and, and became farmers down in Oak Hill, Ohio. That's your home. And as, as he shared more, and he was a tough guy. He was a you know, coal miner, worked his way up the coal administration. Tough, tough guy, Pops was. But he believed, you know, life is a struggle. Life isn't, you don't get stuff handed to you. Life is a struggle. You've got, you got, you got to have determination and guts, and you've got to get out there, and you're not going to win all the time. But if you've got a home... Then you can face those struggles. You know, you know, then, then you can face the challenges in your life because you got a home. You know, you know, you got a place. So speaking of homes, there were some references in our scriptures today 
that I've thought a lot about over the years. You always hear them sometimes, oftentimes at Christmas time. Uh, this this whole thing about walking in darkness. This 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 passage from Isaiah. But what becomes right before that is these lines: "In the former time, in the former time, brought in contempt into the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali." What the heck is Zebulun and Naphtali? I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. What are these words? What do they What do they point to? Does anybody know? What are these words about? Zebulun. It was like me on the basketball court saying, "What? Oak Hill? What, what is that about?" And it had to be explained to me. It had to be shared what these things were. Well, you know, Zebulun. Zebulun was a tribe. Zebulun was a tribe. And they lived at a place that was very dangerous. It was actually at the border. It was at the borderland with other kingdoms. And, and, and this was a place where there had to be strength, there had to be power, there had to be protection, there had to be messengers going back to Jerusalem to say, hey, watch out, the bad guys are coming. Zebulun was a borderland, a border town. But do you know what that word means? The word means home. Home. So the prophet is saying here that, hey, these times at the border time, that's, that's a critical time. You know where you came from. Even though all the people of that land, like, do you know where they ended up in the end? Assyria captured them all, and they ended up being taken into captivity. You're spending 50, 80, 100 years in captivity. But that's your home. you got to remember, the people are strong there. The people are tough. The other place that's mentioned, Naphtali. Do you guys know what Naphtali is about? I didn't know what it was about. Naphtali was Rachel's servant who had a baby and kept the, the line going. This is a really important person. Really important person. Rachel exclaims when this baby is born, the legacy continues. Rachel exclaims, I have had a great struggle with my sister and I have won because she's had a baby. Her line's going to continue. Naphtali actually means my struggle. My struggle. This tribe that lived in Naphtali, they were a tribe that showed a lot of courage, a lot of passion. They were in a place of turbulence. Again, there's a lot of stories about uh, King David and the tribe of Gideon who, who served under King David. But there's other moments in which their struggle wasn't so good and they didn't make the right decisions. They were unfaithful and they, they turned towards idols, the things that don't really count. They, they thought they could protect themselves with money or with towers, uh, with military power. So anyway, we have these two references in Isaiah to Naphtali and to Zebulun, home and struggle. I want to tell you today, you know what your home is? It's not necessarily this building, although yesterday this building protected us from this rain that was just drenching down. But your church is your home to the degree that it points to God. To the point that it opens up uh, the vision of Christ to you. Your, your home, your home is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is always going to be there listening to you, inviting you to explore your gifts. Speaking of gifts, one of the things that I hope you'll share with the adults, uh, you know, all the young people, this kind of survey that you did that was looking at your gifts, like looking at your personalities and how you guys uh, grow. I, I think that's very interesting. I'm going to do that tomorrow, I think. Uh, it sounds really interesting. Your, your gifts, your gifts are developed in your home. But then I think your gifts are used by God, you know how? To go out in the world in the struggles that we have. 
On this day, consider what your gifts, what gifts are being molded and, 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 um, affirmed here as we sing and we pray. What gifts are you called to, to tap into and to share and to lead? Know that as you go out those gifts, it's not going to be all, all cute and cuddly. You know, when you go out as a church leader and serve, deacons and elders, let's just, let's just be honest. When you go out in the world and serve, are all of our, uh, like meetings that, you know, for elders, are they, are they tea parties where you're just talking about all the great stuff that's happening at the church? Are you talking about the really real, the challenges? Do you ever have a disagreement at an elder meeting, at a session meeting? Does that ever happen? For, you know, deacons, do you ever have to have hard conversations about how to utilize gifts? How to care for people? How to prioritize, you know, somebody's, uh, care concerns? These become courageous conversations. Now, if we work maybe as the regular world operates, it's kind of about who's got the best opinion, who's got the most money, who can kind of lord it over the other people. But in our church, we have a different approach. And it's this prayerful approach where we listen to the Spirit, and we listen to the Spirit where? In our home, in our hearts, because that's where Jesus is. And again, it's a cycle. You listen to your heart, you do the hard work of discern about how you're called to serve, but then you get back out in the world and you share your gifts. You share your gifts about justice. And there's a lot of justice issues in the world right now that we gotta preach about, that we gotta speak out against, that we gotta live. People are being denied access to, uh, you know, certain things. People are being, you know, shut up in jails for no, no real, uh, legal precedent. People are being, uh, um, uh, forced apart from their mothers and their fathers. We've got issues about war and rumors of war in the world. And we've got to talk about them. We've got to talk to our leaders about them. We've got issues of transparency that are all around us. And you have the gifts to share where you feel God is calling you to lead. On this day, let us give thanks for the ways that we're shaped, the way that we're affirmed to be elders, deacons, members of the church, leaders in the community. You know, God is using all the people it's not just church members. No, no, I, I don't want to ever have that expressed. No, God is working through all people to do the ultimate work of Jesus Christ. And that is to glorify the kingdom of God. One last thing, and that's about the kingdom of God that we hear about today. Um, oftentimes, especially in, in, in the book of Matthew, you have this idea of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is somewhere out there. It's a kind of futuristic vision of the kingdom of God. In Luke, Luke's vision, Luke's vision is right here, right now. Luke's vision is, man, you got to embody the grace of Jesus Christ and enact the kingdom of God. So let's do that. Let's do that. And the most simple way we can do it, you know how we do it? We eat together. So I invite everyone afterwards to go next door to Preston Hall and let's eat together. Let's share our lives together. Let's laugh together. Let's maybe have some good old-fashioned arguments together. Let's talk about Let's talk about our homes. Let's talk about where we come from and where God has blessed us. Amen. Amen. Amen.